Thank you for your presence. The Bible tells us that if we say we love God, whom we have not seen, but hate our brother whom we see every day, the truth is not in us. And if the God's truth in its entirety is not in us, we are not genuinely saved. We can have Christian symbols on our cars, wear Christian symbols, quote scripture, pray eloquently, and sing hymns and spiritual songs. But if we are not continuously living and applying God's word in our lives, we are not genuinely saved. Listen with Bible, pen, and paper handy as Pastor Rander teaches us today. And behold, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Some of you are not going to get a reward because you're not working. You know Jesus, but you're not working. You're not in one ministry, not in a ministry. You've been here five years. You can't even smile and be a greeter on Sunday. Many believers will be sorry at the coming. I'm not saying you're just a sorry saint. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about you will be stricken with sorrow. Okay? Many believers at the return of Christ will be disappointed. Many saints at the coming of Christ will actually be ashamed. That's in the text. Will be ashamed at the coming of Christ because of a loss of rewards. Isn't it? Because of a lost reward. Why will many believers be ashamed at the coming of Christ? You say, some folk can be ashamed at his coming. Here comes Jesus. We've been praying for Jesus, praying, praying to Jesus. We've been crying out. He saved us and made us and he done all these wonderful things. And now he's coming and we're ashamed. Why? Why are some believers ashamed at the coming of Jesus? Let me give you a few. Number one, many believers will be ashamed at the Lord's coming because they did not delight and enjoy Christ the way they should have. They didn't enjoy God. They weren't excited about God. They didn't have a passion for Christ, an unwavering, an unwavering passion for Christ. They, they were miserable. They came here, they, wouldn't, they couldn't say amen, can't raise a hand, can't sing. They look at you. They've got rocks in their jaws. They just look miserable. They're contagious too. Psalms 37, 4 says, delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Why should God bless you and you're not even enjoying his presence? Number two, many saints will be ashamed at the coming of our Lord because of not having treasures laid up in heaven. Many believers will be ashamed at the Lord's coming because they laid up treasures on earth and not in heaven because of their stinginess and selfishness. Many believers will be ashamed because they laid up their treasures. You know how you lay up your treasures on earth is that you give nothing to Jesus. Everything is here. Everything is in investments. I'm not saying you're not supposed to have investments. I'm not saying you're not supposed to uh, have a, a financial portfolio. I'm not saying to be poor is to be spiritual. I'm not saying, so don't misinterpret me. Many believers will be ashamed at the Lord's coming because they laid up treasures on earth and not in heaven because of their spirit of stinginess and selfishness. Matthew, look how quiet it got then. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 20 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. What are you laying up in heaven? Are you, you know, we had the opportunity to give to, to Uganda and give to the, the, the family of the, uh, our departed beloved Johnson Bakashaba, a missionary pastor who went to be with the Lord, and to those who are suffering adversely from COVID-19, and we took up offerings a few Sundays in a row. Oh, you say, you know what? I, I, 
I, I, I'm not feeling that. Well, it's not about your feeling. It, it, it is about your being committed to the Lord and his work. You can't live your life by your feeling. Uh, and so you can't take anything with you. When I was trusting the Lord, you know, I pray about everything. So that way, what I'm going to wear and all these things. And I was looking at uh, my, um, my closet and things in that, on my side. You know, everybody got a side, you know, and <laughs> on my side. I look, I said, you know, when I die, all this is going to go to somebody else. And that's why I find myself giving a lot of my clothes. I ain't talking about stuff that's holy and all patched up and messed up. I'm talking about good stuff. Look, when you decide to give, stop giving for waste and rubbish and junk. Give people quality things. Don't, don't lessen their dignity by giving them something you wouldn't want to be given to you. Why don't y'all say amen? Thirdly, some believers will be ashamed because their faith was, too, was so small, which robbed them of their kingdom potential. Some believers will be ashamed of our Lord's coming because their faith was so small, which robbed them of their kingdom potential. Hey, you got these... These faith robbers, they robbed you of your faith. They still, they, they, I don't know. We've never done that before. Isn't that too much? E- Hebrews eleven six says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Of, look, a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You exercise your faith in giving. You exercise your faith in believing God against the impossible. And trusting God. One of the greatest prayers you can pray is, Lord, increase my faith. Number four, some believers will be ashamed because they did not seize their God moment to share the gospel with unbelievers. Some believers will be, there's something called a soul winner crown that will be received because of persons who were relentless in reaching people for Christ. Some believers will be ashamed because they did not seize their God moment to share the gospel with unbelievers. Acts 1a says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. When is the last time you've won somebody to Christ? When is the last time you talked to anybody about Christ? When is that time you talk to somebody, a stranger, said, Jesus Christ is coming again. Are you ready? Huh? I mean, do you even care that folk around you are dying and going to a terrible place called hell? Hell is real. And God has called, uh, called us to dispense the gospel, to see dying men, women, boys and girls who are dying spiritually get saved. That's why we're having Youth Emphasis Day next Sunday. So we can reach children. And sometimes adults come to Christ through their children. Instead of the parents lead the child, sometimes the children lead the parents. I've seen that over and over again. Number five, some believers will be ashamed because they did not give him their best effort when serving him, resulting in a loss of reward. Some believers will be ashamed at the coming of our Lord because they did not give him their best effort when serving him which results in a loss of reward. Colossians 3, Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. 
God will reward you for your faithful service. That worship, the word, the guys that with with me early in the morning, and they come and they're they're excited. I mean, it's just wonderful. They they wouldn't be here with me that early if if they weren't called to it. He said, how can they be with me that early? It's because it's a calling. When you're called to something, nobody have to prompt you. Nobody have to push you. Nobody have to make you. Nobody have to use strategy on you. Nobody have to sweet talk you. Nobody have to give you food to come. You're going to come because you called to come. Why don't you say amen? amen. Somebody said, if you feed them, they'll come. <laughs> Number six, many believers will be ashamed at the Lord's coming because they did not possess a spirit of gratitude as his ambassadors on earth. Many believers will be ashamed at the coming, uh, at the Lord's coming because they did not possess a spirit of gratitude uh, as his ambassadors on earth. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You're a thankful spirit. There are some saints who faithfully serve. They give their service, but they difficult to work with. They, they give their service, but they're not easy to lead. They give their service, but they can't get along with people. They give their service, but they don't have a thankful heart. As they serve God, they're disgruntled. They're difficult and possess a bad spirit. They shipwreck the church. But I'm serving. I promise him that I would serve him till I die. And some pastors say, Lord, please let him die. <laughs> a blessed subtraction. Lord, please, please let him die. Please, Lord. They said, I promise him that I will serve him till I die. Lord, don't leave him 80 years to to be difficult. Number seven, <laughs> many believers will be ashamed because they were not faithful unto death. They'll be ashamed at the appearing of Christ because they're not faithful unto death. They, they did not finish well. They did not finish well. Revelation 2, 10 B says, be faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. The scripture says in second Corinthians 5, 10, for we must look, we must underline must. That's emphatic. All appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This judgment for the save, for the judging of works, not for salvation. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he or she has done, whether good or bad. Good or bad. Second Timothy 4, 8 also says, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who love his appearing, to love his appearing, underline that, to that love his appearing, to love his appearing is to be faithful and not quit. To love his appearing is to be faithful and not quit in the best of times or the worst of times. You serve the Lord through adverse weather. You, it can just sprinkle outside and folk can look outside. Oh, it's sprinkling. Oh, that's a tornado. I think it's a tornado coming. They just conjure up stuff. But, but they don't want to come to church. You must think we have an open stadium or something. This, this place have a roof. Don't y'all see a roof up there? They go, you go to H-E-B and shop. In bad weather, you see your kids compete in sport in bad weather. You bring umbrellas, goulash, and whatever else. I don't know. That might be some kind of food. That sounds like goulash. I don't know what that is. I'm probably not saying that right, but you can get the point. <laughs> Galoshes, yeah. Well, I messed it up. That's okay. That's my humanness coming out. You understand. You put on raincoats. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it just can sprinkle outside. You just disappear. You're going to melt. <laughs> 
You know, I'm sick. I have preached so sick, and you don't even know it. I don't stand up here and tell you I'm sick and I got a cold. I'm just messed up. I don't. I don't. I just don't do that. I don't want you pitying me. Um, you serve God through persecution. You serve God through disappointments. You serve God through uncertainty. You, you, you even serve God through a deadly virus. I came and I stood here preaching to empty pews, as did many other preachers. And it was a, such a strange thing when I had to break myself in to preach on live stream to empty pews, only having a praise team, a few people back here, along with the shooting ten, team to shoot the service, to put it on uh, social media platforms and, and the likes. I, I, I did that. I did that. This church wouldn't close for almost two years and still trying to figure out when they're going to open. I mean, the spa is open. H-E-B is open. Sam's open. Costco open. The margarita place is open. (laughs) Everything's open but the church. And they all say they're essential. That's the staggering thing about it. All of them say they're essential. You got drive-up drinking opportunities because they are essential to keep you... uh, coping. And some of y'all drive by, you Christian, but you sipping. I've stood here. I'm not, listen, I'm not crazy. I'm not going to misjudge the virus. I'm not going to take the virus for, for, for granted. I took my vaccine. I wore my mask. I did everything I could. But I'm not going to be so scared that I can't do God's work. I'm going to serve God. Listen, I'd rather serve God and die in the service than be in a shell in my house. It won't come out and take my place behind this pulpit and give you Jesus. And now, listen, listen, you're probably going to choke on this. You know why some folk are ashamed? Ooh, ooh, I left this for last for this piece. Other believers will be ashamed because the Lord's coming will find them in a compromising, sinful place. Oh, he came. I just decided to go and glimpse me some porn. He came when I was flirting with that woman that wasn't my wife. I wasn't going to do nothing. I was just talking. No, you weren't just talking. You were headed somewhere. Huh? He came when you were at the casino in Las Vegas. Spending up the Lord's money and won't even tithe in this house. He came. Oh, God. When you just laid around and been lazy, you thought more about your dog than you did a sick member. He came. When you were mean to your wife, cussing her out and there Jesus was. He came. He came. And some of you are going to be ashamed where the Lord will find you. You you were found where you did not belong. Move on. (laughs) I'm almost done. I got more message than, than you can hear. But I'm almost done. How are believers to live in light of the imminent coming of Jesus Christ? How are believers to live in light of the imminent coming of Jesus Christ? Now, how many know Jesus is coming again? Let me see your hand. If you don't believe he's coming again, you're already in trouble. I don't know what kind of theology you have. You, you don't have the right theology, and you sure need to get straight. How are believers to live in light 
of the imminent coming of Jesus Christ. A, because Christ is coming, we must embrace the truth and live by it. We must embrace the truth and live by it. Those who embrace the truth will live a life of truth. And those who embrace a lie will live a lie. Again, because Christ is coming, we must embrace the truth and live by it. Those who embrace the truth will live a life of truth. And those who embrace a lie will live a lie. John 8, 32 says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. B, how are believers to live in light of Christ's imminent return? Because Christ is coming soon, we must be obedient to what he has taught us. We must be obedient to what he has taught us. John 14, 21 says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved to my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. See, living in a state of readiness prepares us for the return of Christ. Living in the state of readiness prepares us for the return of Christ. Luke 12, 40 says, therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So you better be ready. You don't know when or where, uh, but he's coming. D, in light of our Lord's coming, we must tell others about Christ. In light of our Lord's coming, we must tell others about Christ. Mark 16, 15 says, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, all the world. That's why we have global missions. He said, why are we send money over there? We, yeah, we send money here and we support, we support, we support the hungry here and we support the inmates here and we, we do crisis pregnancy here and all the other things I can't call, but we ought to do equally and just as much overseas. We ought to be at home and abroad in our Jerusalem and Samaria and the uttermost part of the world, says, says uh, Acts 1.8. Uh, number four, the fourth major point now we're reverting back on how to know about guarding against deception. Number four, we guard against deception and false teachers by holding on to the promises of eternal life. We guard against deception and false teachers by holding on to the promises of eternal life. First John 2.25 says, and this is the promise that he has promised us eternal life. Remember the promise which says, all who have fellowship with the Son and the Father have eternal life. Because Jesus Christ is the supreme gift from God. He is sufficient for salvation and eternal security. In Christ, we have obtained an inheritance. In Christ, we have obtained spiritual blessings. In Christ, we have obtained forgiveness for sins. In Christ, we have obtained hope and peace, all because of being in Christ. Number five, Practicing righteousness keeps believers from deception. Practicing righteousness keeps believers from deception. 1 John 2.29 says, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of God. Practicing righteousness keeps believers from deception. 1 John 2.29. The visible proof of being a Christian is having a right standing and behaving rightly before a holy God. Living a righteous life gives evidence that believers know God. Living a righteous life gives evidence that believers know God. A righteous person is one who continues to conform to the Father's will. One who continues to conform to the Father's purpose. One who continues to conform his thoughts to the, our Lord's thoughts. 
and his actions to our Lord's actions. In other words, to be righteous is to live like Jesus lived. The closing major section, and then we're done, is this. I want to challenge you believers now in the midst of these last day deceptions. The times are so grave. The times are so critical. I want you to write every point of these down because not only you need them, your friends, your relatives, your co-workers, uh, wherever you go, all, all need this. Let me challenge you as believers in the midst of these last day deceptions. The times are not going to get any better. They're going to get worse. So you may as well as be taught and informed and ready so that you won't lose heart in the midst of these difficult days. A, believe the whole Bible. Believe that the whole Bible is inspired, which means that it is God breathe. Believe the whole Bible is inspired, which is, which is that it is which means it's God breathe. Second Timothy three sixteen says all scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. B. Now, uh, once you believe that it's all inspired, then study like it's inspired. Study the word of God. Study the word of God. Second Timothy two fifteen says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth, we must rightly divide the word of God, which means cutting it straight. To rightly divide the word of God is to handle with accuracy, which comes only through prayer and faithful study of the word of God. See, another challenge is to live by the Bible. You want to live by the Bible. Matthew 4, 4 says, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You live by this book and your life will bless. You refuse to live by this book and your life will be turned upside down and full of trouble. D, preach and teach the whole counsel of God. For those who preach and teach the word of God, preach and teach the whole counsel of God. Acts 20, chapter 20, verse 27 says, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. E, remember teachers and preachers of the word of God get the stricter judgment. Some people say, oh, I want to preach. Oh, I want to teach. I can't wait to teach. You better be careful what you're asking for. Because James chapter three, verse one says, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we, that's me included, shall receive the stricter judgment. That's why I preach so hard and teach so hard. I don't want to be irresponsible and negligent because I did not teach you. I don't do a 20 or 15 minute quick message and think a little spiritual dab is going to uproot all that sin out your life. You know, it's amazing how you can watch a three hour movie and can't listen to a 40-minute sermon. You say, Pastor, your sermon is not 40 minutes, but in 45. You say, it's not 45, then 50. Well, whatever it is, you need all of it. How about that? <laughs> you need all of it. A three-hour movie, the game going overtime, you can't even go to the restroom. Three hours long. But limit God. All in it. 20 minutes. 10 minutes. All that hellishness, you need a whole lot of spiritual medicine to uproot all that stuff that ought not be in you. Let, let the Lord work on you. And so if you do wrong leaving here, it's, it's not because you wasn't preached to rightly. And I preach hard because I don't want your whipping. You, if you do wrong, you're going to get your own spiritual whipping because you chose to do wrong. And you can't say Draper didn't teach me. Finally, but not the least. Y'all said, my, finally. <laughs> finally, but not the least. 
My final challenge to you is not to add or intentionally exclude any part of the Bible. Because if you do, you invite severe trouble upon yourself. Look, that's big. My final challenge to you is do not add or take away intentionally any part of this book. Because if you do, you invite severe trouble upon yourself. Proverbs 35 through 6 says, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Verse 6, do not add to his word, lest he rebuke you. You add anything, you say what God is not saying, he's going to rebuke you. And you will be found a liar. Revelation 22, 18 also says, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And there's a lot of plagues in this book. Beloved, if you do not have and believe the word of God, what other reliable resource can you turn to for salvation? If you don't have the word of God in your heart, if you don't believe the word of God, where are you going to turn for encouragement? Where are you going to turn to for hope? Where are you going to turn to for guidance? Where are you going to turn to for wisdom? Where are you going to, how are you going to learn the attributes of God without the Bible? That's why Satan is relentless in keeping you away from this book. He make you sleepy when you read this book. He distracts you so you can't get to this book. Satan Hate the fact that you're growing in him. Today could be your last day on earth. And if it's your last day on earth, what condition is your spiritual life in? If we don't have the word of God, what is it? You mean tell me you're going to turn to Biden? You're going to turn to Trump? You're going to turn to Obama? You're going to turn to Bush? They don't have an answer. The answer is not in the White House. It's in the church house. You're going to turn to Hollywood. You're going to turn to the BLM movement, the cancer culture. Get quiet on me if you want. The woke movement. You get woke all right. Some of you going to wake up in hell. Some of you follow these movements and you don't know the core values of those movements. And some of y'all in stuff right now that you ought to be getting out of. I don't want to start calling them. I don't have enough time. You're going to preach another message. I'm going to shut it down. But I'm telling you the truth. If you don't have the word of God, your life will be in a hot mess. Without this Bible, your marriage is going down. With the Bible, your marriage soars to its God-given potential. Without this Bible, it's, it's cursings. With this Bible, blessings. Without this Bible, you are emotional disturbed. With this Bible, you're spiritually calm and tranquil and at ease and full of rest. And all God's children said, Amen. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, direction to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. 
Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.